everybody welcome to this week's episode of we are science a podcast about science and the people who do it today i interviewed dr stephanie shuttler who is a fascinating wildlife biologist we talk about her travel abroad for her career sampling elephant poop <laughs> different stereotypes about being a scientist and why communicating science is important so let's go I'm Stephanie Shuttler and she, her. Okay. Let's jump right in. So I read on your bio that you thought you would never be a scientist. So let's dig into that. Yeah, I I didn't really know scientist was a job. I, I grew up and I didn't know any scientists in my neighborhood. And I guess when I thought of scientists, I thought of like people in lab coats and, and um, yeah, doing more stuff like that. And that didn't really interest me. The only person I knew who had a career studying animals was Jane Goodall. And she moved to the jungles of, of Tanzania studying chimps. She lived very remotely. And meanwhile, my family, we didn't even camp. Like we, we never went camping. <laughs> and Jane Goodall to me seemed like not a real job. Like it, like I didn't know <laughs> how I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I did dual major in theater and biology because it was a backup degree in case acting didn't work out. Wow. That's like some um, brave backup plans you had. <laughs> my brother suggested just kind of randomly that I study abroad and I just never thought of that. So I was like, okay, that sounds fun. So that's what I did. I was like, when am I ever going to have the chance to go to Kenya again? And it was it was in a program, so I felt safe going. A lot of Americans are, are scared to travel to Africa. Now I'm not anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then ironically, going all the way to Kenya made me realize that you could have a career as a wildlife biologist. And even if you did want to do research in Africa, you don't have to be as extreme as Jane Goodall living there for, for <laughs> years on end amongst chimpanzees. Because I'm a very social person, too in addition to living a little bit more luxurious than, than tents. <laughs> um, you mean you didn't so go and sleep in the bushes the whole time <laughs> you were in Kenya? <laughs> so how did that bring you to what you do now? I did my PhD at University of Missouri. I studied African forest elephants in Gabon. And I used their poop, so I'd collect <laughs> dung samples from them for genetic analyses. And then the last six years, really, I have been working at the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences on camera trapping. And my specialty was, was to work with teachers getting that project into classrooms so that kids could out. learn about science and while doing science, and we could learn about animals living around schools and in more urban areas. Wow, that's really interesting. Did you have some surprising finds with your camera traps? We were surprised just by the diversity of animals. So, so some of our schools were rural, and we had an international program as well. We actually had um, kids in India who lived near a tiger reserve. So we, we actually got tigers on our camera traps. So that, that was so awesome. Cool. 
But here in, in Raleigh in North Carolina, um, we had a lot of suburban schools and some of these schools have just like these really small patches of like trees, not even a forest. Mm -hmm. And, and we were just really surprised. We got, you know, deer, foxes, opossum, coyotes. And, um, yeah, we were just surprised to see that, that many animals caught on the camera trap instead of just like stray cats and dogs. That's what yeah. kind of we were worried about catching only. I bet the kids love that though. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was so much fun. I, I mean, I loved it. I love looking at the photos. It was, it was a really fun project. Working with kids as a scientist, how was that like? Did they have maybe a different image of what scientists would look like? I know there's studies where kids expect scientists to look like an old white dude holding beakers with blue liquid in them, which obviously isn't the reality, but the stock photos. Yeah. <laughs> kids are really surprised to learn that scientists don't have all the answers. And and actually, that's the yeah. whole goal of our job, which yeah. which I didn't realize, to tell you the truth, until graduate school. <laughs> yeah. Because in science class, you're always doing like an experiment where they know the end result, mm -hmm. or you're always like memorizing concepts or theories. So I, I don't know, I guess I didn't know what I envisioned a scientist to be like, but just I guess more, taking more observations and more notes. But, um, but yeah, they don't they don't realize like, we don't know all the answers to everything. Yeah. And what about how scientists look like in general? Were there any misconceptions there? Yeah, I think everyone has a, a misconception about what scientists look like. And, and that's part of what I do now is I'm, I go by the name Fancy Scientist. The, the teachers I worked with gave me that. And I like that as a way to really break the stereotype of what a scientist looks like. And I mean, it's naturally who I am, too. I like to dress up. I like makeup and things like that. So I embrace that side. And then every Friday I feature a different fancy scientist because I've realized there's so many of us out there. And that's one of the goals to get people to realize like what scientists look like and that they're normal people. And and my dad even like sometimes he's like, those are all real scientists. And I'm like, yeah, they're scientists. Yeah. But um, yeah, the kids, no, they were, yeah, they're definitely surprised. I'm, when I first started working with kids, I was actually in a classroom and I was watching the classroom first and the kids thought I was like a substitute teacher, like assistant mm -hmm. teacher, even though they knew a scientist was coming into that class that day. And, and that's something I really like to do with classrooms. And sometimes I'll dress up more to show girls that you don't have to choose between fashion and, and being smart. You can, you can do both. It's not a, mm -hmm. it's not an either or situation. So you also have a podcast and a blog where you talk about science, interview podcasters, and you also counsel people on becoming a wildlife biologist. Is that because you wanted to help more people get into the field? I've always really liked science communication because I, I love doing the research, but you spend all this time doing research and it literally takes years and years to write up a manuscript that's yeah. published and it'll be like, I don't know, six pages, single space, and then like 12 people read it a year. And it's like, what? I studied this cool animal, forest elephants. Like, like you just want to share it with more people. So yeah, I started just blogging about it and being transparent, just giving people that advice that I wish I had. And I just realized, especially with, with my study species, the forest elephant, you can study them so much, but they're getting killed just for poaching right now. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to work on the conservation of them, 
you either just need to like put money to fund rangers or you need to do science on the people like why are people purchasing ivory and what can we do to stop that it's more of a yeah. it's more of an economic social political problem than it is a science one and especially working with the kids i was like well that's that's how i became interested in animals as a kid and you you really need those close up interactions with nature these emotional connections why do you think people should care about science and science shouldn't be just this dusty pile of books that only super smart people can do and that it's not for everyone? I just think to be a good citizen, like you have to know science. I mean, it informs so many different decisions in our lives. If you think about so many different government decisions, so many things that we vote on, they should be researched and <laughs> oftentimes they are. <laughs> People don't understand how science is done, so they don't trust scientists, they don't trust study results. I think scientists have failed in terms of the way that we've communicated because we're not trained to communicate. We're not. People shouldn't have to read these jargony scientific articles. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And with basic research, there's a lot of studies where you just don't know what it's going to lead to. And yeah. um, like people are can be against research that doesn't have like a human direct application. And those projects are harder to get funded. So something that you might be studying now might have an effect towards humans later. Like actually, I was listening to um, Danielle Lee was talking about how she works on pouched rats in mm -hmm. Africa, and they can be trained to, to sniff out landmines. And the training process took much longer because they didn't understand like the natural history of the rats. Part of her job is to like understand the rats better. That's actually a really good example. And to pivot a little bit, I also saw on your Twitter that you did some commentary on Tiger King. And I'm a little bit excited to talk about it because it was an important pop culture moment. So I could talk about Tiger King for hours. <laughs> uh, um, I, so I, I really enjoyed the documentary. I thought it was yeah. very entertaining <laughs> and um, interesting. I think my biggest criticism is that they introduced these different worlds and they never really had a professional way in. Mm -hmm. And I understand that the documentary was really more about um, Carol Baskin and um, Joe Exotic, but still I think it was irresponsible for them to give the impression that those two places were equivalent and yeah. they're, they're not. And their zoos vary so much. Sanctuaries vary so much. There are sham sanctuaries. There are real sanctuaries. And the, the documentary made it look like like her sanctuary was on the same page as as his uh, zoo. And they, they were doing the same thing. And they absolutely were not. Just the fact that he's breeding cubs, that makes it horribly wrong yeah. for the species, for conservation. That's what I was really disappointed about. Yeah, that's a fair point. They probably could have used a few more specialists. And actually, coming back to the way that scientists communicate, you interview scientists on your podcast. So what are some things that you wish that scientists could communicate better? I'm kind of asking for myself, but if you can answer without throwing anyone under the bus. Yeah, I actually, I, everyone who's been on my podcast has, has done really well. Um, Good. <laughs> I think that 
scientists in general have a hard time communicating or what they do wrong using jargon is a big one. And in our world, especially in graduate school, we're, we're kind of encouraged to use jargon. It makes us sound smarter. Like we know what we're doing. Feel smarter. Yeah. (laughs) But then when I started working at the museum, um, like everyone started like unworking that on me because I was, I was working with the public and we had to explain our research and, and even I do think scientists could benefit from being more approachable and sharing more of like their human qualities. Sometimes I feel like they're so straight and narrow and like they only talk about work and that comes back to the fancy scientist thing. Like be a bit of a human. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Be vulnerable and just show your personality more. And, um, I think, I think part of the problem why the public has lost some mistrust in scientists is because, I think that they get the impression that scientists think that they're better than them. Mm-hmm. Like they have more degrees, they're smarter than them. They know what they're talking about and that can backfire in a lot of situations. Yeah. Like every scientist I know has imposter syndrome. So <laughs> that's actually maybe not so, so true after all, who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Well, Stephanie, that's about our time today, but please tell us about your podcast and all of your projects and where we can find you. Google Fancy Scientist, you'll find me. I have the Fancy Scientist podcast and I'm on all of the social media. All of you should follow her straight away. Thank you so much, Dr. Schuttler. This was a delight. You can find our podcast on social media at We Are Science. And I'll see you next week where we'll be talking about bighorn sheep and traumatic brain injury. Are science. We are science.